The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. Wow, it's been a few years since I've been here, but it is so good to see you. I'm just thrilled, and on behalf of Joe and Ben, thank you for having us. It takes my breath away to see you all. So many that we remember and love and and so many actually who have gone. Miss Betty and the old Morgan class, Betty Klein, would be over there. We were honorary members. We were only in our 20s, but we were honorary members of the Morgan class back in 1998. And uh, I owe them so much. I owe this church so much. One of the greatest mentors in my life is Dr. Brian Harbour. Again and again, I open my mouth and and I find that that Dr. Harbour comes out. (laughs) They're they're the good things. Papa Gibson, some of you may remember him. Papa Gibson gave me three pieces of advice. He said, always be smart. He gave me this tie one day. This was from Papa. Papa. He said, uh, always preach to the brokenhearted because there's one in every pew. And he said, there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. (laughs) Hopefully I've got three of those. I haven't, I've only got two. So I wonder if you'd turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 15. This is one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible. It is so good because we see something of who God is and a lot about who we are. We're going to find ourselves in this story. We're going to take two weeks to look at it. So you've got me this week and you've got me next week. And this week we're going to look at the youngest son because there's a a little youngest son in all of us, a little prodigal in every single one of us. Prodigal, in in case you didn't know, I'm sure you do, means uh, lavish or, or wastrel, extravagant. And there's a little prodigal in every single one of us. Next week, we're going to look at the older brother. Now, the older brother, he had just become so familiar with the things of God. He had got used to the grace of God, that which rescued him. He was destined for an eternity without God. God had rescued him and he just got tired and bored and got over the sheer generosity and grace of God. That's, the, that's next week. And then, of course, there's the father. We know the father. Kind, compassionate. Even when it seems that the youngest son is dead, he doesn't give up. It is a wonderful Wonderful parable. But we need to just look at the context first. So I've asked if we'll put that up. So here we go. Now the tax collectors and sinners. So in my Bible, you may have your Bible open. You've got little uh, speech marks 
around the word sinner there because we don't really know what is meant. These are people probably who, who, who weren't in the long flowing robes saying their prayers on the street corners. They weren't the ones making a huge racket with their, their money giving. These weren't the folks who attended synagogue They were just ordinary, normal people. We know all about tax collectors as well. I mean, I don't think they're any more popular right now than they were then. They they may have been less popular then because what they did was they, they bid for the rights to take the tax. And so they would give the Romans a certain amount of money to buy the franchise. And then they could charge whatever they liked And so people hated them. Look at this now. The tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near. He was gathering a crowd of people who didn't go to synagogue, who didn't go to temple, who weren't interested in the things of God. They weren't necessarily fasting. They weren't necessarily praying. They weren't necessarily giving. These were the poor in spirit. And there's something about Jesus that draws them. I want to be part of a church like that, don't you? That draws the unlovely, the overlooked and the forgotten the outsider and brings them home because if you think about it for a moment that's all Jesus ever did he brought outsiders in and he brought them to God and the Pharisees the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled that word grumbled is a really important word actually in the Bible we see it often. We see it in the Torah, in the story of Moses. And people would grumble about him. Of course, you know what happened then, don't you? The ground opened up and swallowed them. And the Pharisees and the, the scribes grumbled. Saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. It's really important. We've got to know something about these Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees believed that sin was contagious. That that you could be tainted by hanging around with sinners, with outsiders. That you would not be pure. You had to watch the company you keep. Actually, you've probably been told that. We get told that a lot. What do you hang out with? Well, that's one of the things Jesus didn't do. But then he was Jesus. And so the Pharisees and the scribes had grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with him. It's like they're saying, if he was any kind of prophet at all, he would know that these people are sinners. He obviously isn't a prophet. He would keep away from them. So he told them this parable. You see, there is a fundamental misunderstanding in their hearts. They have totally misunderstood who God is and who Jesus is and who they are. 
that's what we're going to be looking at this week and next week. So he told them this parable. He tells them three parables. He builds and builds and builds so that they can be in no doubt whatsoever what God is like. First story, you know it really well. A shepherd, a good shepherd who loses one of his sheep and he leaves the 99, foolish, reckless thing to do, goes looking for that one. However far, however distant, however dirty, the good shepherd goes and Jesus says, God is like that. Well, maybe the Pharisees were like, no, God is with the 99. Jesus says, no, he's the God who wanders. He's the one who looks, who searches. Maybe they're shaking their heads. So he tells them another story. And he says this, this probably horrified them. He said, God is like a, a, a little old widow who loses a penny and she searches in the dirt. She sweeps the house. I've, have you ever lost anything? I mean, you know the absolute single-minded focus that we have when we lose something. If, I mean, I lose my car keys regularly and it always seems I lose my car keys when I'm late. <laughs> and that just adds to the tension, the pressure, the, the, the rage inside of me. You can imagine God says, the little old lady, that's what God's like energetically, single-mindedly pursuing that which is lost. The, the hilarious thing about the coin is, the coin doesn't even know it's lost. It, 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 hasn't, it, it doesn't know. It's just dropped out and fallen somewhere. Unlike the sheep, it didn't wander away. It, it just, she lost it. But there's an energy. God never loses anyone, by the way, just in case you think that's what I'm saying. I'm not. But what I am saying is, we may be lost and not know it. I, I remember once, I, I lost my keys and I was in utter peace. I wasn't concerned at all. I was as happy as we would say in England, I was as happy as Larry. No idea who Larry is, but he's obviously a, a cheery chap. And, and I was as happy as Larry. I'd lost my keys, I was perfectly content. I'll tell you why, because I didn't know I'd lost them. <laughs> when I realized, then I panicked. There may even be people sitting here today who don't even know that they're lost. So remember, we've got two people that Jesus is, is teaching. We've got the tax collectors and the sinners and we've got the Pharisees. And he tells them this next story, the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son. Can we put that up, please? And he said there was a man who had two sons. Who are these people in the story? Well, the younger son, he represents the tax collectors and the sinners. The other son, he represents the 
Pharisees and the scribes. This is what Jesus is saying. There's two kinds of people listening to me. And there's two kinds of brother. And the younger of them, the sinners, the tax collectors, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. This is an amazing little verse. If we can keep it on that, please, Chris. Thank you, my friend. This is an incredible little thing. The younger says, basically, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. I want what is mine now. Doesn't even say please. You all are the the most, uh, you see what I did there? You all. (laughs) You all are the most polite people I've I've ever met. This, This boy isn't like that. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me. My share of the property. It would probably have been a third. The older brother would have got two thirds. He gets a third. He wants it now. That's like us, isn't it? We want everything now. We want it quick. We want it yesterday. We, we want it now. I want it now. I can't wait for you to die. I want my share of the property. Maybe he didn't trust his older brother. His older brother sounds a bit grumpy. So maybe he just didn't trust him. I want it now. And look at this, the father doesn't argue. If Ben, Ben's my youngest, uh, and if Ben said, I want what's coming to me when, when you die, firstly, I'd laugh <laughs> because we've got nothing. <laughs> and secondly, I'd say, Why? <laughs> What's going on? The the dad just doesn't. He doesn't. So he divided the property between them. He kind of loves his younger son so much that he allows him this freedom of choice that I find staggering. God is a bit like that. He gives us choice to love him or reject him. To serve him, to ignore him, to worship him, to play act before him. He gives us that choice, that freedom. It's an incredible gift of God. How do we use it? Let's have a look. Verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had. He had a plan. He was going to take it. We don't know why he was going. I mean, we can guess. We can imagine, I mean, maybe he'd got hurt. People wander away because they get hurt. People turn their back on God because they get hurt by his people. You've probably seen the t-shirt that says, God, save me from his followers. You know, maybe he'd been hurt by his older brother. We, We don't know. Or maybe, more likely, he had fear of missing out. Have you come across that? In America, FOMO. Yeah, I don't know, maybe it's an English thing. I'm sure you've got it. You've got it. Fo- well, you haven't got it. I'm not saying you, like you're sitting there with it. FOMO, fear of missing out. Jim Carrey, one of your great actors. 
uh, he, he, he said, I wish everyone could have everything they ever wanted. All the fame, all the money, so they would know it's not the answer. Fear of missing out. And so this young guy, he takes all he had and took a journey into a far country. A far country. Now, Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever spoke. He doesn't waste words like I do. He, when he talks about a far country, he's talking about a country that is far away from the Father. A country where the Father's values are not treasured. He's talking about a place that is far from the Father's safety, the Father's provision, the Father's care, the Father's law, where he can just cast off all restraint and be free. That's what he thinks. Do you remember Thomas the Tank Engine? Thomas the Tank Engine, hopefully. Some wonderful moment in Thomas the Tank Engine. We have the, the fellow who wrote those books, the Reverend Audrey. We have his granddaughter in our church in Sussex. Uh, and, and there's this wonderful picture that he drew. And it's of Thomas having fallen off the tracks on his side. And Thomas says this, I'm free at last. I'm free at last. He was free when he was on the tracks. He wasn't free on his side, but here we go. He takes a journey into the far country and there he squandered his property in reckless, prodigal, that's the word, in prodigal living, irresponsible, living for the moment because that's one of the rules of the faraway country. You live for now. You live for the moment. Carpe diem. Seize the day. With no thought of eternity. Sorry, am I too loud for you? I, 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 sorry, I apologize. It's such a big room. I don't need to shout. I've got a mic on. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Carpe diem. See, I get excited. I can't help it. Jesus is just so wonderful. Carpe diem, seize the moment. That's our life. That's our world. We live in this faraway country. The values of the faraway country are the values of the people around us every day. Seize the day. You're worth it. It is no different than when the serpent came to Eve and said, eat of this, eat of this fruit, it will make you wise. We can't, we can't. God's told you that because he knows when you eat it, you will be like him. That's our world. You can be like God. Live for today, have it all. I've seen your adverts. You're worth it. You deserve it. Live for the moment. Don't worry about tomorrow. Well, some of us are a bit wiser than that. Some of us have made plans for our future, our, our retirement. Uh, some of us are a bit more set. How many of us, how many of us have made plans for our eternity, our death? 
You see, I'm not the first to say this, but you know it's true that the mortality rate in my country and in yours is just holding steady at the 100%. (laughs) But we don't like to think of that, do we? There's a whole three rows of people I knew and loved that are missing who are now in the very presence of God. The man who gave me this tie face to face with the living God. But in the faraway country, we don't think of these things. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. Isn't that the way of things? Isn't that the way when you're you're least able to, to handle or navigate a problem, that's when the problem seems to come. That's what happens. I, I, I've looked it up. This is the fifth richest uh, city in America, apparently, Dallas, and the Metroplex. Fifth richest city in the richest nation in the world. And so we have lots of resources and we are cushioned because we have money. We're cushioned against the heat. I thank God for air conditioning, especially standing here in a tweed suit, trying to honor Papa Gibson and look smart. Papa, it's it's hard to look smart. I took the jacket off. I looked even smarter, but honestly, I'd have melted. But we cushion ourselves because of our money. The majority of the world is not like that. And a severe famine came and arose in the country and he began to be in need. Let's see what he does. Verse 15. So he went. It's a good plan. And hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. Now, now that word that we've translated there, uh, this is the ESV, the English Standard Version, which is what I use. We call it, where I come from, East Sussex. We call it the East Sussex Version. Uh, so that's why I use it. Uh, but here we go, the, the, the English Standard Version. He went and hired himself out. Now, the Greek of that, if we were interested at all, says he joined himself with. He joined himself with. He joined himself with one of the citizens of that country. So not only has he moved to the far country, not only has he imbibed of its values, its godlessness, he now throws his lot in with them. The world promises so much. Join with us. Eat of this. Drink of this. You'll be happy. The world promises so much, but it gives so little. Look, sin. Sin always promises much more. Takes you further into depravity than you ever wanted to go. It leaves you empty and broken and wretched, and distant from God. Oh, so it promises so much. I'll join with you. This guy sends him out. 
into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, Jesus told great jokes. We miss that because, you know, we we probably just don't know enough. But of course, what is the most unclean thing to a Jewish person? It's a pig. So here is Jesus talking to the sinners, tax collectors, and the Pharisees and the scribes. And when he starts to mention pigs, the, the Pharisees are like, whoa. It would be like me cussing. I'm not going to. I'm not. Unless it's by mistake because our, 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 our idioms are slightly different. So I apologize if I do. But, um, but to them, it was shocking. This young lad is feeding pigs. But it gets worse. And he was longing to be fed. That word longing is a word that's often translated into lusting. It's not a good, a good longing. It's a greedy longing. And he's longing. It's guttural. It's deep within longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. This guy has been promised so much and he gets nothing. The pigs, (coughs) excuse me, the pigs are better off than he is. The pigs get fed. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, NIV says, when he came to his senses, when he came to himself, this is the work of the Holy Spirit, actually here. There he is, on his knees, covered in pig muck snuffling about in a trough of filth. And there in his lowest moment, God comes. One of the most shameful moments in my life. I was a police officer in the Royal Hong Kong Police in the 90s. Uh, Hong Kong used to belong to, to the United Kingdom. It's now part of China. But I was a police officer there when it was a British territory. And I was in a faraway country. Joined myself with the faraway country's values. And I was in a stranger's bedroom when I was met by the living God. I came to my senses. And the maker of heaven and earth said to me, what are you doing here? I ran. I ran. I ran through the streets crying. I knew some Christian missionaries in Hong Kong. I went and moved in with them. I started smuggling Bibles into China. That's a whole different story. And God found me in the filthiest, dirtiest, 
grottiest place. The living God stepped in and met me. And I came to my senses. Look what he says. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough. Look at the contrast. In the faraway land, he doesn't get fed. In his father's house, there is an abundance. There is food. Even the hired hands are fed. They're not just fed. They have more than enough. There's more than enough for you in the kingdom of God. You lose nothing coming back. You gain everything. So this is, he says, look, even my father's hands, but I perish here with hunger. I perish here. Do you know, that's one of my favorite little lines in this. I perish here. My beloved, you perish here. In this faraway land, if you do not know the living God. My beloved, you perish here, troughing about, looking for pig pods, trying to live for the moment. You perish here. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, look at this, Jesus, the best storyteller ever, gives us an insight into the confession. This is what the boy is going to say. I will arise and go to my father. I imagine him writing this in the muck on his arm so he doesn't forget his words. These are my lines. These are the words I have to say. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Yeah, he has. And before you, I've sinned against you. Yes, he has. Next verse, please. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. True. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Here's the truth. He's not even worthy of that. I know there are businessmen in here. I know there are many of you who are financially financially astute and you know that if you take the third of a value of a business out of a business you're sunk people would have gone without because the father had to gather together these resources to give to the son So the people back home have gone without so that that boy can take it, run off and live merry. I'm no longer worthy to be one of your hired, uh, sorry, to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So that's what he decides to do. Gets up off the ground and he goes home. He did not know what we know, because we all know this story. The father has been watching every day. You remember the shepherd who went out searching? Do you remember the little old lady who swept her house clean? Every day, the father has gone to the furthest extent of his land And he's leant on the gate and he has watched 
hoping, dreaming, longing. He's seen a couple of specks on the distance and his heart has risen and then sunk because it wasn't his son coming home. But this day, the speck gets larger. It's his boy. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. We can't get close to what that word really means. In the Greek, it's literally the spleen. In Hebrew, it's the womb or the bowels. In fact, when we're told God is compassionate, we could say God wombs you. He keeps you safe as a mother keeps a fetus safe. He wombs you. And here the father sees him and has compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So here's some things that the Pharisees are hearing. Like, no old man runs. No respectable man runs. This man pulls up his ropes and exposes his little white knees and he runs. What do we know about this boy? He's been living with the pigs. He stinks. He's as unclean as you can be. Look what it says. The father embraced him. You know, uh, one of the things that I think all men probably enjoy doing is getting really sweaty and then hugging their wives. <laughs> is, that, is that just me? <laughs> and, and, and there's one thing that wives hate. Being hugged by sweaty men. Well, that's my experience anyway. God is not like that. Remember the Pharisees? We'd be tainted if we ate with them. We'd be tainted. And Jesus tells this story about a God who runs and embraces the boy covered in pig filth and kisses him. Verse 21. And the son said to him, remember, he's got it there, he's got it engraved in the pig filth. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but... Verse 22, but we know there was a whole lot more. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me as one of your hired hands. But the father will not allow the son to disown himself. He will not allow the boy to disinherit himself. So there is an, an urgency. But the father said to the servants, 
Bring quickly. Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and a shoes on his feet. He's acting with urgency because I tell you what, the servants probably hate this boy. He's gone off with most of their money. The older brother, he, he's not happy. But the father is not waiting. Quick, bring the signet ring. Bring the best robe. Look at his dirty feet. Let's bring sandals. Do you know what I see? This might not make sense to you, but to me it makes a whole lot of sense. I see Prince Harry and Princess Meghan coming home to the UK and the king meeting them on the flight and taking his crown and his ermine robes and his scepter and his orb. Sorry, that sounds a really weird word over here but it's so important to us. It's about the splendor of God and giving them to him and Megan. Wouldn't that be amazing? Not quite finished. I know you hope you are. I know Papa said there's no such thing as a short sermon. Forgive me. This is short for me. (laughs) Really? But like, I've come a long way. (laughs) And on Facebook, I do 99 seconds in the Bible. You can fill your boots with that. But I've come 5,000 miles. And I've not been here for 13 years. I've got a lot of making up to do. Verse 23 breaks me. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. You see, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Do you know that? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. First sacrifice in the Bible... It's in the Garden of Eden. When the creator of heaven and earth went looking. It's funny how God does that, isn't it? Went looking for Adam. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Adam? He'd sinned, he'd fallen. And after God has pronounced his judgment, which is just and right and true... He acts in mercy and kills an animal, the first sacrifice. And the maker of heaven and earth, the one who flung the stars into space, turns tailor and makes garments for them. All of this points forward to when God himself in Jesus Christ would leave the safety of the Father's home where glory and justice and peace reign and travel to a far country and would be mocked and beaten and spat and would be hauled away and they would drive nails into his hands 
and they would hoist him up and laugh at him while he carried the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins, does away with them. Father embraces the son, welcomes him home because the fatted calf is killed. This is what Jesus is saying. And look at this final verse. You'll be pleased. For this my son was dead. And he is alive again. He was lost. And he was found. They began to celebrate. He was born again. He was born again. Few are born just once. You will die twice. If you're born just once, you will die twice. You will die here. You will close your eyes and you will stand before the judgment of God. And then die a second time. But if you're born twice, you'll die once. You'll close your eyes in this world and you will open them in paradise with him. So what about us? What about us today? Well, simple. You can come home. You can come home no matter how many thousands of miles you've gone, no matter how long you've been in this foreign, far away land, you can come home. You may take 10,000 steps away from God. It is just but one step home. Will you come? Will you come home? I want to pray and then I want to invite you. We did this every Sunday back in the day. We invite people to come and respond. There's something incredibly prophetic and poetic about getting up out of your seat and saying, yes, I'm coming home. It's not a walk of shame. It's a walk of commitment, fidelity and faith in the living God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Father God, I thank you for my family here. I thank you for my, for, for my friends and their patience that they would allow me to preach and speak of your splendor, your goodness, your power, your grace. Father, I pray that you would tear heaven open and that you would pour your Holy Spirit upon every one of us that we may come to our senses and walk home.